The scripture reading for this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem, Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to make an invitation. I've been I've been moving a lot of furniture in the church. Uh, my the the pastor's study, which is right down that hallway, has some new furniture in it. It has new paint. It has new carpet. Uh, new furniture. New I said furniture already. New, new stuff hanging on the walls. And. Uh, and I'm, I do, I, would you mind moving this furniture over to the wall over there? We need, this, this furniture needs to be moved back over here. I, I, I kind of don't mind, you know, I know it drives Phil crazy. You start, have you ever noticed how perfect the chairs are in here? That's Phil. If you really want to get him, after just like turn one sideways a little bit and he'll go crazy. Don't you dare. So, yeah. so uh. But I, I take risks too, so we're, moving furniture is a tough thing. So do, I do invite you. Oh, I got I got uh, I got business cards now too. I'm in phone number on it, so you can pick one up there in the office if you want to go down the hall. You can see the smell of that new paint. I really like that. Um, but I did take take some risk in that I moved some furniture. Anybody anybody recognize this? This is an old piece of furniture. This is antebellum. Okay. Nobody recognizes this. Well, I'll tell you, if you go upstairs to the sanctuary, walk to the very back of the sanctuary, right under one of those really impressive arches that if you've never been up there, um, you guys were in church. I saw you walk right past this thing last week. You did. There's a, right now, there's an octagonal uh, uh, symbol, eight-sided symbol on the carpet where this thing used to sit. This is a baptismal font. Okay, it's a piece of furniture, but it's a piece of furniture that goes way back in Christian church history to the very first century of the people who followed Jesus. They had these things. And I want to talk to you a little bit about them. Um, they're kind of cool. They open up. And this one in particular... 
was one of the first pieces of furniture that I was shown by one of the uh, people in this church who are really into history, okay? And I don't know if you know about Virginia, but Virginia has a lot of people that are into history, you know. How many Virginians does it take to change a light bulb? You know that one? You know, it takes five. One to change it and four to write a history of the old light bulb. So anyway, in this baptismal font is something older than the font, and that is this little dish. This dish, I think, used to sit in an old church before this one was, and it would sit kind of up there on the altar. Um, this one has been re-silvered because the old one was worn out. And I thought, boy, wouldn't it be great to wear out a baptismal font? To have so many people enter into a relationship with God and Jesus Christ and belong to the church through baptism that we wear out this new silvered baptismal bowl. That's something to think about, church. Would you join me in a prayer? Uh, this is an ancient prayer of the church. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. And when you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the waters of the womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Amen. By the way, this is a hymnal. It's a book that has pages in the middle of it. Um, that prayer's been around for a long time. It's in a lot of hymnals. I'm going to move one more piece of furniture. So I'm a new I'm new around here. I'm your your pastor. If you don't have a pastor, I'll be your pastor. Um we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to have a pastor. What it means to belong to a flock that has a pastor. Ultimately, our, our pastor is Jesus. But um, you don't know me, and I don't know you. Uh, the scripture that we read this morning is one that talked about Jesus when he was baptized. And on that occasion, nobody knew Jesus either. I mean, there were, in the early days of the church, there were, you know, people who wrote fanciful stories about Jesus as a child doing miraculous miracles and things like that. None of that made it into the scriptures. And in Mark's gospel, Jesus just shows up at his baptism, 30 years old. Nobody knew him. Nobody knew what he'd been up to. Um, who is this, they would say. Uh, prior to his baptism, the only thing certain about Jesus is that when he was baptized, when he came up out of the water of his baptism, he began his ministry. That's when he started it. After he was baptized, he came up out of the water, and nothing, not even the devil, 
who came up against him for 40 days. He kind of got up with the devil. Not even the devil could stop Jesus from fulfilling what God's will for his life was. Uh, Jesus, for one of the first things he did was after he had fight with the devil, uh, he made friends. He made lots of friends. Uh, he, he went around and he taught people. He healed people. He traveled he offered a message of hope and salvation to a world that was kind of real and looking for directions. And all this happened after he was baptized. You see, um, as a boy, Jesus had been taken to temple by his parents. They were Jewish. And they, they took their, their baby boy, he was eight days old, and they handed him over to the rabbi. And he, they brought him to the temple for the rite of circumcision which for the Hebrew people was the sign of the new covenant, the sign that you had a relationship with God and that you were a child who belonged to God. You see, for Jews, God's creation took seven days, six days, and then on the seventh day, God rested. That's what Jews believed about God. God made the world in seven days. But they also believed on the eighth day of creation was the beginning of a new creation, the creation of God's relationship with people, human beings. So God made all the world in seven days. On the eighth day, God made a relationship with human beings, and he called it a covenant. This new creation, this God of covenant, made a relationship with human beings. And on the eighth day, the Jewish people recognized that by bringing their children and performing the sign of the covenant, which was circumcision for a Hebrew child. The sign of your relationship with God. This baptismal font, and not all of them anymore because we're contemporary and into circles now. But if you go back to the early church in the early centuries, they were all eight-sided. And because back then, Christians really, really were concerned about being connected to who Jesus' religion was, the religion of the Hebrews. And an eight-sided baptismal font was to recall that on the eighth day, Jesus entered into a covenant with God as a child. And so the eight-sided baptismal font has been a part of the Christian church for a long time till we even forgot why it has eight sides. But that's why. To recall the new creation, the eight sides of the baptismal font are our invitation to enter into a similar covenant with God, into a new creation remembering Genesis, to become eighth-day Christians, followers of Jesus. Now I'm telling you all this because... Um, because there's a promise in this. This is one of the basic promises of what it means to be a believer. The promise of God that God's love and God's grace for you and for all creation is revealed for us in the symbol of water. That's why Christians use water. And we sang that really cool song, by the way. That's down to the river. Um, and so that's why I'm telling you all this. I want you to understand why in our faith that we use symbols, basic symbols. I mean, water and bread and grape juice, you know? But these symbols for us hold for us that holy relationship that God desires to have. And the waters of baptism are, are this message that while, while you don't know me and I don't know you and nobody knew Jesus, one thing I do know about you is I, that is that I know that Christ gave his life to show the love of God for you. I know Christ loves you. I believe that Christ is with me. I've, I've had a relationship with the living Christ 
for as long as I can remember. And I know that about you, that Christ is with you. And part of living in that relationship with Christ is to come to know him in lots of different ways. And one of the first ways we do that is through these sacraments, these symbols, these things that renew and restore and tell us who we are. So what I want to tell you is no matter where you came from, no matter who you are, no matter who your parents are, no matter what your relationships are, no matter what your education is, your income, your socioeconomic background, your race, your religion, no matter who you are, the love of God for you is offered in Christ through the waters of baptism. It is the the grace of God in baptism. You will emerge from this water ready to do god's will and that's that's something we do by faith it's not like it's magic but it has been proven time and time and time again that people who come to christ and receive that gift of god's grace their lives are changed the old's passed away the new has come and all of a sudden we start doing things that transform our relationships that transform our families our businesses our world our community Because the power of God all of a sudden kind of gets inside of us through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the the best news about that. It's, well, you don't know me, and I don't know you, and nobody knew Jesus. A lot of people uh, believe that Jesus came to his baptism um, perfect. You know, because the other gospels say, well, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and he was Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't have any baggage. Now, I know none of you have any baggage. But the waters of baptism are that thing that Jesus came, even though he didn't have baggage, he showed up to be baptized by John as the invitation to enter into that new creation, to be a new creation in a relationship, a covenant relationship with God. So while Jesus may not have had the baggage that you have, God's call on your life is that you would receive this power and this grace and become agents of transformation in this world. That really is God's will for your life. That you become an agent of grace. That that grace that God will put in you will start changing the world around you and the relationships you have. But you're not Jesus. You are not Emmanuel. You are not without sin or blemish. In fact, you know, the, the more I get to know you, the more I know you guys got some baggage. I mean, I mean baggage. You, you may carry burdens that, that you think nobody else knows about. Some of these burdens may be as big as boulders. I mean, they may be things that you've been carrying around your whole life and that you hide really well, but you're very much aware of them. These burdens that you carry, uh, we kind of we try to present ourselves like Emmanuel, like we're Jesus, like we're showing up, hey, I got it together. But the truth is, you don't. We carry them and we hide them. You are wounded in some way. I know I am. I can tell you all about my childhood wounds. You want to hear about them? We can talk about them. That's what my new office is for. We can talk about that stuff. Um, you may have been abused in your past. You, you may have fears and addictions and anxieties and disabilities and insecurities and selfishness or whatever, whatever. We all got it. And the invitation of Christ is to come into a relationship with God from which you can emerge a new creation 
on the eighth day, God established a relationship with human beings. The eighth day, the eight-sided font, the water in this font. Now, I brought something with me today. Um, every time I go to the beach, I like to find those little places on the beach, you know, there's sand on the beach and seaweed on the beach, but every so often there's like a riptide or a current or something, and it deposits pebbles on the beach. They're not sand, they're pebbles. They're, you know, they're, they're rocks, right? So I found, I always like to find these places, and I like to imagine where that rock came from. It, I think it came from on the top of Afton Mountain. It was a big giant boulder a millennium ago. And this little pebble found its way into the Ribana River and into the James and into the Chesapeake and out into the ocean and finally deposited at Nags Head over the centuries. Well, this is what water can do to boulders. What grace can do to your baggage. And it may take time. But the waters of baptism have power in them. And just as Jesus emerged from his baptism, ready to be transformed and to transform this world, so the promise of God is that God's love and grace can do the same in your life. I've experienced it in my life. I continue to experience it. And there's no greater blessing than to offer that to God's people. To be an eighth-day Christian to be a new creation, redeemed and renewed again and again and again. So as we close this service, and I don't know if you're baptized. If you're not baptized, I invite you to come. If you are baptized, I invite you to come and remember your baptism. And, and what the great thing about baptism is take whatever that boulder, that burden, that you don't need to tell anybody, or you, you can kneel over here and tell God if you want to. You can tell a friend. Tell your pastor. But you take all that and you reach in here and you give thanks that whatever, whatever burden it is or brokenness that you have, that you believe the love of God can transform you. And that, you know, that's nothing. I can carry that with me. I can do all. I, there's nothing that this is going to stop me from doing. This is the invitation to Christian baptism. Um, you're all invited to come. Just put your hand right, right through the water. You can't get to the boulder until you, you get into the grace. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of, uh, if it's manipulative at all, it's that. That if, if you want to get your stuff, you, you've got to go through the water. You've got to go. There's nothing more powerful. And we're going to sing uh, one of the great old hymns of the church that was about uh, reconciliation and redemption, uh, amazing grace. And while we sing that hymn, as you are led, you don't have to do this. But if you want to, if, if you can, can by faith believe that whatever you're carrying around with you, the grace of God can make it manageable and in fact make it beautiful and in fact make it transformative in your life and in this world.